Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin in Africa show. We are the voice for Bitcoin in Africa. I'm your host, Charlene Faderepo. Today we will be speaking to Togolese human rights activist and the convener of the Africa Bitcoin Conference, Porida Nambarima. Let's get started. Good afternoon to those joining us from the United States and good evening to those joining us from every country across the beautiful continent of Africa. This is the Bitcoin in Africa show. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm your host, Charlene Faderepo. The Bitcoin in Africa show, we are the voice for Bitcoin across every country in Africa. Today is Wednesday, October 12th, 2020. Bitcoin's price is pretty low. Wow, $19,114. As we've seen, we continue to see a little bit of a drop in price. But as we always say on this show, Bitcoin is still on sale. It's a fantastic opportunity for you to continue to stack your Satoshis. Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about the Bitcoin in Africa show. The Bitcoin in Africa show is the voice for Bitcoin in Africa. Our mission and vision is clear. We have been working hard to expand the narrative of Bitcoin in Africa. Our job is to give voice to the innovators, the founders, the ecosystem builders that are driving this amazing Bitcoin revolution that's happening in Africa. If you have been with us for the course of the year, you know we have spoke to so, so many people. We originally were called the Bitcoin in Nigeria show, but we were blown away about the about the amazing uh, innovators that are happening in every country in Africa. So we had to expand the mandate of our show to include every country across the continent. Now, before we get into our discussion, as we always do on our uh, show, I tell you a little bit about my background. I'm Charlene Faderepo. I'm a career banker. I'm a former U.S. regulator and also a Bitcoin advocate. Um, I work full time to help individuals and institutions plan their future, plan for their future with Bitcoin. I run a company called Mango Digital Strategies. I've written a couple books on Bitcoin, uh, and if, particularly if you're interested in uh, Bitcoin in the community of the municipality area you might consider a book called Bitcoin and the American Dream. We are actively using that book to help get elected leaders across the United States on board with Bitcoin. And if you have a family, you might consider, I have a children's book called Shade Satoshis. And so hopefully if you are a Bitcoiner, hopefully you are preparing yourself to share your Bitcoin knowledge uh, with your family because what good is it if you have all of this knowledge and you can't share it with the next generation? Now, we have a fantastic show for you today. And as for the format, we are going to be spending all of our time with our very special guest, who is Togolese human rights activist, Barida Nabarema. And of course, we will be leaving a couple of minutes towards the end. And if you're going to join us live on Twitter Spaces, you will have the opportunity to ask Farida questions um, about all the amazing things that she's done in both Bitcoin, uh, in both uh, her democracy work in Togo. Um, she has just an incredible body of work, both on the human rights and democracy side, but also as an advocate and activist for Bitcoin and the potential impact of Bitcoin in Africa. So let's read about, let's hear about Farida. So Farida Nabrema is a social activist and writer who, who recently emerged as the unequivocal voice of Togo's pre-democracy movement. She has been a fearless advocate for democracy and human rights in Togo since 
she was a teenager. Through hundreds of articles written on her blog and her in other sites, she denounces corruption, dictatorships, and has promoted a progressive form of Pan-Africanism. She is also an internationally known Bitcoin advocate and has spoken at numerous Bitcoin conferences, which include Bitcoin 2022, the Oslo Freedom Forum, and many, many other podcasts and other events. Um, but what is probably most exciting is that Farida is the convener of the Africa Bitcoin Conference, which is the first Bitcoin conference that is happening on the continent of Africa coming up this December of this year. And so this conference is going to be amazing. And we're going to spend some time talking about all the wonderful things that Farida and her team has planned for the conference. Please welcome to the show, Farida. Welcome to the Bitcoin in Africa show, Farida. Thank you so much, Charlene, for the very warm welcome and introduction. I'm excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. So to start is we read your very impressive bio, um, but I always love to start with my guests by hearing their Bitcoin story in their own words. So if you could kind of tell us, how did you land on Bitcoin and tell me how Bitcoin has changed the work that you do um, to promote democracy and anti-corruption in Togo? So um, I've been an activist fighting against authoritarianism in my country, Togo, for a very long time. Togo, uh, for those who are not very much aware, is a French-speaking country in um, West Africa, right next to Ghana, between Ghana and Benin. Um, and our country is ruled by the oldest military regime in Africa. We have had the same family in power for the past 55 years. Um, and what we have known under that regime is brutal dictatorship. Uh, and... Um, my, my my father before me was an activist. Uh, 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 my grandfather before him was also an activist, all fighting against French colonialism and then subsequently against the military regime that was imposed on Togo by the, uh, uh, um, by the French colonial powers. So in, in part of the work that I was doing as an activist, I launched the Four Must Go movement in Togo uh, in 2011 with the goal of bringing down the military regime of Togo. Uh, Fonya Simbe is the name of the current head of state. He took over by coup in 2005 when his father died. His father ruled Togo for 38 years in, in, in blood. Uh, and he also took over in blood because when he became president, the Togolese took the street and protested um, against it, um, and uh, over 500 Togolese citizens were reportedly killed, according to United Nations investigations, but the numbers are at least twice that. So it was a very brutal era of our lifetime. I was 15 when this happened, but the feeling of um, powerlessness um, pushed me to want to do something about it. And a couple of years down the line, when I became a university student with a couple of friends, we decided to organize and to launch the former school movement. Um, and uh, while doing that work uh, and trying to raise awareness on human rights violation in Togo, trying to inspire Togolese youth about fighting for their destiny and not giving up on freedom, uh, we eventually uh, managed to uh, see some results when in 2017, Togolese political party called for 
the reinstatement of term limits in our constitution uh, during a protest and some protesters were killed. So those of us who are social movement activists came up and said, this must be the last time that the government shoots protesters and go scot-free. So we decided to call for massive protests in the country to be done with that type of violence once and for all. And the, 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 conf the, the, the protest became uh, uh, massive with over 1 million people in the street. Um, and, and Togo is a country of 8 million people. That, that was a huge number. The whole of Togo was protesting in 14 cities simultaneously. There were protests taking place. Um, there were protests recorded in a total of 37 or 38 uh, countries in the diaspora. The Togolese were protesting in, in South Korea, in Brazil, in Canada, in Germany, in India, um, in places that we didn't even know at first we had a diaspora in. Um, in, in, in that period, the government unleashed massive repression against us. Um, and by massive repression, I mean the, the, the arrest of uh, uh, um, organizers and activists, the killing of protesters, uh, even children, uh, uh, um, as well. Um, and that level of repression um, led uh, many to exile, including myself, because uh, um, at first I was back in Togo for a while um, and then I had to leave again when things got very sour. Uh, but while we were organizing to find solutions to keep the protests going, but to also put pressure on the regime so that they can eventually get, leave power, we were trying to identify some of the tactics they were using to crush the protest and to, to weaken the movement. Um, and uh, two of those tactics were uh, digital surveillance, which they unleashed in the country, because many of the organizers that they arrested, they managed to find out about their whereabouts by tracking them on their mobile devices or by listening to their conversations via WhatsApp groups. And then for, for some of them, they arrested them by tracking uh, uh, money that they received or sent to protesters or to social justice movements. Uh, there were some people who were arrested simply because they sent money uh, to help people in the protest. Uh, uh, and the government uh, um, tied that against them. And uh, the, the charge against them was literally financing what they are calling a rebellion against the state. Um, so we we ended up having hundreds of people in prison. Unfortunately, many of them are still in prison. They've been in prison for the past five, six years with no trial, uh, living in horrible conditions. Um, and eventually the movement died. The movement died uh, because uh, the repression outweighed uh, um, our resistance. Uh, and at some points, there were some mistakes that were made by trusting older opposition leaders who eventually, unfortunately, uh, um, um, made the wrong decisions and the wrong strategic move, which killed uh, the protests. Um, but as an activist who has been fighting for many years to see that moment happen, a moment where we can see millions, uh, hundreds of thousands of Togolese people on the street demanding change, uh, uh, um, those those periods of protest, which lasted over a year from 2017 all the way to early 2019, was an eye opener. An eye opener on two things. Number one, it made me realize that the people of Togo are ready for change and they were ready to fight for it. Because for all this period we were fighting, all of the resources were raised locally, like literally money from the Togolese community in Togo and the diaspora. There was not a single international organization's bank ruling our protest. It was genuine. People were donating everything they could. I even had 
some Togolese people reached out to me and said, I don't have much to donate for the protest, but I have land. Just take the land and if you can sell it to fund the protest, so let's do that and be done. Um, people were willing to make enormous sacrifices from hosting uh, activists who are on the way, uh, on the when people are injured to mobilizing money to bury those who get killed. I saw an immense level of solidarity, but then I also felt like our revolution wasn't televised. We didn't get as much attention as countries like Iran get, for example, probably because Togo doesn't have oil, Togo doesn't have gold, and Togo is not a strategic threat for any world power. Um, so I, I, I took it upon myself to ensure that the the world knows what's happening in my country, understand that for over 50 years we have been fighting for change, um, that we got to a point where we are ready to fight and to die for our country, but unfortunately we just need more push. But in that effort, I started looking for alternative to keep the protests um, um, going or to the point where if we have to go back to protesting one day, because I know we will go back on the streets one day, it could happen tomorrow or it could happen in one or two years or even five years. But if we go back on the streets, we don't want to make the same mistakes we made or we want to make sure that the government isn't able to hurt us as much as they were able to, or they, we find alternatives to ways to, to what they were using to control us. Um, during the protest, they shut down the internet. Uh, at some point, there was no possibility to communicate in Togo via internet. We went as far as uh, uh, um, hiring tech developers to build uh, a platform for us that we could use to communicate without internet. Um, we were trying to find solutions. Um, at some point, uh, we had hackers who were bringing down government websites uh, on a daily basis. We say, we give you an ultimatum for each day that you don't restore the internet, we are going to take one of your websites down. And um, the, the day they brought down, they brought back the internet was the day we took down the website of the national television. Because for us, if the people of Togo could not access information outside, they don't get to broadcast their lies to the world. So it has to be, uh, there has to be some form of retaliation. So for me, as, uh, as, as, a, as an activist from the younger generation, we believe that technology is a powerful tool for change. Uh, we have used technology to organize from day one. And even though the government finds ways to close access to, and to limit our access to these technologies, we are trying to find ways around it. So one of the other things we did was to provide digital security training for activists and journalists in Togo so they understand how their, their phones or their, their computers could be infiltrated and could be uh, 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 um, tapped into by the government, what they could share online, what are the safest ways to share, to share certain documents. Because one, one of the uh, uh, society leaders went to prison simply because he wrote a report on the number of people who were killed during the protest and he was given 18 months jail time and he served the whole 18 months. It's just because he sent that report by email and they were able to track it. So providing alternatives safely. And in that moment now, how do we send money anonymously in a way that the government will not send people to jail because they received or sent money became a big question. And that's how I found myself 
getting involved into Bitcoin. So at first, it was a moment of despair. We just needed to find tools that will keep us going. Um, then we, we started using Bitcoin as an alternative for us to be able to raise funds, but to send money to support people who are even in jail at the moment that everybody has no access to. Some of them have been in jail for three years at a time and not even family members could visit them or see them. Um, and, and, and they were in very difficult conditions. So when we have people who get those information to us, how do we help them? without putting their lives at risk, without putting further worsening the conditions for them became a very important thing to do. So Bitcoin for us at first was a tool of resistance. It was a tool of survival, um, um, nothing else. But then eventually I got curious about it uh, uh, um, because I started discussing it with other activists from other countries to teach them about it. And many had some some uh, were a bit worried about it because there's so many negative connotations with the word Bitcoin and they think uh, it is a dangerous thing to use or it's money for criminals or it's money, uh, uh, dark money, etc. So I needed to build uh, arguments to be able to explain to them that it is not what you think it is. And while doing that research, I realized that there was so much about it that I myself didn't understand at first. And uh, uh, there was a moment I was I was reading and, and, and taking a course one day, um, uh, uh, building my knowledge about Bitcoin. I actually went all the way from the beginning. Like I'm, I'm someone who has absolutely zero background in math. I hated math in high school, unfortunately. Um, and I, I went all the way back to studying cryptography. And while I was when I was studying cryptography and I was taking a course on cryptography, I had my pen in my hand and then I just like paused. I'm like, can you imagine this regime managed to make me like math? One thing that I would that I would never enjoy. You said? What year was that? When when did you kind of start your journey to really try to dig into to understanding Bitcoin? And the crypto that was part. 2019. What was 2019? Um, it. it was 2019. So I started learning about cryptography, understanding the, the language. Then after that, I, I moved on to understand how Bitcoin is mined, to how uh, 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 um, the economy, uh, the circular economy works. Then at that moment, also, I paused and I was like, for the first time in my life, and understand how money works. Uh, it, it made me realize that all of the currencies that I've used my entire life, nobody really sat me down and told me this is how it works. It's just like, this is money, just go and spend it. Um, and, and, and I still have that conversation with people today when they say, I don't like Bitcoin because I don't understand how it works. I'm like, do you understand how the dollar works? <laughs> and they can't, they can't explain how the dollar works either. Uh, uh, um, and the moment you understand how money works, you realize that for so long, you have been scammed. And, um, you know, my, the, res the resistance in my country, Togo, has one very powerful aspect. Um, the first president of Togo, Sibanis Olympio, was killed in 1963. It was the very first time that an African president was assassinated in a coup. Um, and he was killed for a very simple reason. After our independence in 1960, he wanted Togo to create his own currency. And on December 12, 1962, 
the Togolese parliament introduced a bill to launch the creation of the franc togolais, which will be our national currency. Exactly a month after that, on the night of January 12, 1963 to January 13, 1963, the French colonial army government sent former soldiers of the colonial army to kill him in his house. Exactly one month after that. He was a brilliant economist. Uh, he spoke six languages fluently. He had a degree in economics from the London School of Economics. He has a degree in law from American University, a strong Pan-Africanist, but they killed him simply because he wanted us to have our own currency. Uh, that was the beginning of our doom in that country. And, 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 and this is an independence that people spent years fighting for, people got tortured for, people got killed for. Uh, uh, the independence struggle in Togo was a very brutal struggle uh, with tens of thousands of people massacred in the process. So we have been fighting for all these decades because of our interest in just having our own money. That was the beginning of our struggle. And we have found ourselves being ruled by one of the most brutal military regime that has ever existed on the surface of this planet, simply because as a people, we wanted our monetary independence. So the struggle against the CFA currency, which the French have imposed on all their former colonies, including Togo, has always been part of our, our struggle. It, it has always been a call for resistance, a reminder of why we need to keep fighting. Then when I understood the philosophy, the liberating philosophy of Bitcoin, then it no longer was a tool for resistance, it became the resistance. It became the whole idea of liberation. Then it makes me realize that we don't have to wait for another 50 years hoping that one day we'll defeat the regime before we print our own money. Um, and if we succeed, just like they did in Guinea, the French can still print fake money and uh, mess up our economy and, and bring it down. Or the, the World Bank and the IMF can also impose loan on us uh, 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 um, and force us to repay in, uh, 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 in amounts that we can't pay back and we, we face high uh, um, uh, deflation of our currency. There are so many other factors that make it impossible for former African colonies to breed, to be economically independent. So by Bitcoin, I understood that we now have a currency for humanity a currency that was not created specifically to subjugate a certain group of people, a currency that provides hope for citizens, regardless of their uh, uh, um, uh, nationality, of their race, of their religion. Uh, um, and this is the first for us because all of the currencies we have been using since our independence were literally... Uh, uh, currencies that were created to ensure that we never get out of the cycle of poverty. The CFA yeah. currency the French have imposed has, has lost more than 200% of its value since its creation. On multiple occasions, we woke up one day and the French government informed us that our currency has been devaluated by 50%, which means people now, uh, their savings has been cut off by half and their debts have doubled. This has caused massive uh, 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 impoverishment in our nations, uh, 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 with people earning 
very little already. Like you have a, an average teacher in Togo earning, earning barely $80 a month in CFA. And then next thing you know, it's devaluated and that money is worth $40 a month when life was already difficult at $80. Um, I realized that with Bitcoin, we can join a movement, a global movement uh, um, of people who believe in real freedom, in financial freedom, in political freedom, in ideological freedom. Um, and that's how, for me, it became a mission, a mission to inform people about what Bitcoin is, for them to understand the opportunities it provides, for them to understand the 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 power that it has, but also a mission to make it accessible. It is not enough to tell people Bitcoin is beautiful, but then you have to provide opportunities for them to be able to access it, regardless of where they live, no matter how well educated or how little they are, they, they are educated. So that became a calling. Uh, um, not that I have forgotten about my political struggle, uh, but my political struggle is still very part of this big picture. Now that's perfect. And I, I, I feel like Bitcoin has become the protest, right? So I, I think this use case is the most important use case of Bitcoin at all. This is the story. This is the narrative that should lead. The human rights narrative should lead for Bitcoin because this is why Bitcoin was created. This is why Satoshi Nakamoto decided that we needed a currency that was free from government control yeah. that was permissionless. Like this, this is it. I mean, it's not about an investment vehicle. It's not about all these other, you know, adoptions of, of Bitcoin. It's really about how can you free people and give them better options to live better lives, period. And I think that that's why Absolutely. I think your 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 story is so compelling. And I think that, you know, I, I'm I'm excited that you have, you know, continue to share your story with the West and other folks because um, that application of Bitcoin isn't front and center and it needs to be, and, and it's time for it to be front and center. Um, what I love about what you said was that Bitcoin is the resistance. And you said, hey, one day we'll take it to the streets. But I think with the work that you're doing, Farida, you are already in the streets. Maybe the next version of your protest, you don't <laughs> physically have to be in the streets at all. All you have to do is share the promise of Bitcoin and people can, you know, they can build better lives and, and protect themselves from regimes that are slow to change. Um, I, I think that's, I, I think Absolutely. that's, that's and what I'd like to do is transition. Cause I know we have, um, we mentioned earlier that you're the convener of the first Africa Bitcoin conference. And I want you to, you know, give our, our listeners um, an overview of the conference. What can they expect? What are you most excited about? And why should they absolutely come to Ghana in December? Thank you. Thank you so much, Charlene. Um, the Africa Bitcoin Conference is taking place in Accra, Ghana, December 5 to 7. Um, Accra, for many reasons. Uh, first of all, Ghana is the first sub-Saharan African country that gained its independence and its, pres its first president, Kwame Nkrumah, was someone who truly be 
believe in the unity of Africans and African descent. Um, so it's a very spiritual land. Uh, number two, it's a less host, it's a less hostile environment because in many other countries in West Africa, the regimes are very hostile to anything that sounds like freedom. They don't even want to hear the like they don't even want to see the shadow of freedom. Um, even though Ghana is not politically perfect, Ghana is doing far better than most countries in the surroundings uh, 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 as well. And then Ghana uh, um, is a convening place. It has been a convening place for activists for decades, from uh, the activists from Zimbabwe who were fighting when they were uh, under British rule, from the activists of South Africa who were fighting against apartheid. Ghana has always been a convening land of freedom fighters from people like Dubois who were here and who eventually died and were buried here to people like Franz Fanon who visited. So it is a land um, of freedom. Uh, um, it is the Black Star and we think that is very symbolic. Um, beyond that, um, the reason why we are organizing this conference is the first Africa Between conference and we want to do it differently. It's not going to look like those um, very common um, uh, corporate events where people just go to hear about how to become billionaires. Uh, we are not against billionaires. In fact, we are having a few billionaires among us. But um, we we believe we believe that uh, uh, Bitcoin is first of all about liberation. It's about freedom, uh, and freedom is something you cannot put money on. So we want to use this conference as an avenue to launch a movement for. Bitcoin adoption in Africa. And I call it a movement because I believe it can only be driven by activists, by people who are willing to put their lives on the line for others, who are already doing that by fighting for freedom and justice and dignity in their various countries. Then once they understand why Bitcoin is valuable, how Bitcoin works, what opportunities it provides for them, to, to better their activism, but to also lift their people out of poverty, to provide job opportunities, to, to reduce inequalities, they will be interested in carrying that message. We need people who are willing to fight for Bitcoin. We need people who are willing to, 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 to sacrifice for Bitcoin. Because at the end of the day, when you have something that can liberate you, you have to make some sacrifices before you can get the, get all the benefit. So it's going to be an event that has four tracks. The first one is Bitcoin and financial freedom. Uh, the second track is Bitcoin and lightning engineering, because at the end of the day, we are still going to need people who can build solutions to make it more accessible to everyone. Then the third track is Bitcoin and human rights, because it really fits into this work that we are doing and the narrative we are trying to promote. And the fourth one is Bitcoin and economic growth, because at the end of the day, Africa is the continent that is lagging behind in terms of economic developments because of many factors from neocolonialism to uh, uh, globalization to authoritarianism and corruption. We have a lot of, a lot of issues that are pushing us uh, uh, into into the abyss, and we want Bitcoin to help reduce that. Um, I have heard people telling me things like, Bitcoin is going to make corruption worse in Africa. 
ABCD. And I told them that is a myth that we need to deconstruct. Rather, Bitcoin is going to reduce corruption if we if, if you understand how it works, uh, um, most of the corruption occurs with fiat money. Uh, like 99% of the corruption occurs with fiat money. Uh, um, so technically, yes. So we, we, we need to deconstruct the meat. We need to empower citizens and we need to provide them with tools. But we also understand that Bitcoin is money that belongs to humanity. It is not just for Africans. And so Africans need to be in a position where they are sharing their knowledge and experience with others, but they're also learning from others in terms of what they're doing, uh, uh, in terms of their innovations, in terms of their ideas, in terms of their successes and even their failures. So we want this event to be an opportunity for us to connect to the world, for the world to understand that there are a lot of Africans that are already strong Bitcoiners who are working to improve the network, who are pushing for adoption um, and for people to understand that uh, the Bitcoin revolution cannot take place without Africans. Indeed, indeed. I think that's the part that I'm most excited about. I mean, there have been African founders on the ground for years developing on Bitcoin, building on Bitcoin, creating solutions that have been working well. And I think it's so important yeah. for those folks to get an opportunity to share their knowledge with the world. And so that, you know, we Absolutely. all can learn. Tell me, tell Absolutely. me more about what, what is most exciting for you uh, about the Africa Bitcoin conference. What are you absolutely most excited about? I think it's, it's so hard to tell because I'm excited about so many things at the same time. Um, for me, the having the chance to let people see a different version of Africa, an Africa that is at the core of innovation, um, an Africa that is uh, building solutions, is something that makes me proud. Uh, it is not something new, but it is something that hasn't been featured enough. And I, and I really am excited about us being able to feature that. And I'm also very proud of the fact that the the main organizers of the conference have been 100% Africans. Um, we have benefited from massive supports from people from all over the world, from the US, from Europe, from Asia, from the Middle East. But the the, the organizers are Africans. It's still it's still our event, uh, uh, um, and this is something that gives me some joy uh, um, uh, and, and makes me also feel grateful that there are people who were willing to jump on the wagon and to support us in this process. And we're like, yes, we are coming, we are supporting, tell us what we can do. So yeah, that's, that's what really makes me excited and happy. Indeed, indeed. So I understand you guys are having a lightning hackathon. Can you tell us about the Legends of Lightning hackathon and what people can expect for that part of the event? Yes, so we are doing a lightning hackathon. Uh, we're partnering with Bolt.Fun, which is a platform that provides uh, uh, the opportunity for engineers to, to, to build solutions. Um, and uh, we, we have a track with uh, the Bolt.Fun uh, hackathon on, on Africa Bitcoin conference. Um, and the goal is to have African engineers come up with ideas and solutions that can really uh, bolster uh, adoption on the continent um, from solving issues related to human rights uh, 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 to censorship to 
um, access to uh, uh, um, payments and, and stuff like that. We just want people to be as innovative as possible. Uh, and we want to use that the Africa Bitcoin Conference to showcase talents, just beautiful talents on the continent. Indeed, indeed. Now, do you want to run us through a couple of the sponsors um, that are going to be for the conference? Yes. Um, uh, we have Paxful, which has been extremely supportive from the beginning. Um, um, they they are a Bitcoin uh, exchange platform. Um, they they allow people to choose multiple payment systems that uh, that work well in Africa. Like you can send Bitcoin and choose payments like mobile money, for example, to to, to get your Bitcoins. Um, some people in the in the US will not understand what mobile money is, uh, but <laughs> in Africa we are very familiar with that. Uh, so Paxful is one of our sponsors. We have the Human Rights Foundation that has also been very supportive from the beginning uh, and one of the institutions that have been promoting Bitcoin for human rights for many years, Alice Classison has been amazing on that front. Um, we also have Block, uh, which is um, a conglomerate of companies which, ho which houses Cash App, Spiral, Tidal, TBD. I think I, I remember everything. Uh, the, 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 the CEO of Block is um, Jack Dorsey. Uh, and he's also joining us um, at the conference, uh, Jack Dossi, the, the co-founder of Twitter. Uh, we have Bitnob, uh, which is also a Bitcoin exchange and uh, payment system um, built in Nigeria. Um, the CEO is uh, Bernard Para. He's also joining us. Uh, the CEO of Paxful, Ray Youssef, is joining us. Um, we have um, NOAA, which is also an exchange platform, um, but that is not on the African market yet, but uh, um, that is uh, uh, expanding in the, in the years coming. Um, and they have also been a, a, a great uh, support. We have Btrust, um, um, Btrust, which is uh, a, a fund set up by Jack Dorsey and ZZ to promote uh, the, the, the education of Bitcoin enlightening engineers. Uh, they are one of our, our sponsors. And we have Fedi, uh, Fedi, which is behind Fedi Mint. Fedi Mint means Federated Mint. And the CEO, Obin Wosu, uh, had this amazing idea to improve uh, Bitcoin custody, Federated custody, uh, uh, which will really work for communities in, in Africa. Um, and they are going to be there um, as well. So, um, yeah, these are the sponsors that we have. And uh, um, so far, we are really excited about everything yeah i think it's going to be amazing i think it is definitely going to be the highlight of 2022 um guys you absolutely have to make time in your schedule to come to the africa bitcoin conference that's happening in december 5th through 7th in accra ghana um and you know i, I, just, I hope to see you there i am i am so excited about coming and um, I'm just looking forward to an amazing time to just learn yes. and contribute and and um, just really be a part of history. I mean, you, Farida, you all are making history. I, I think I just want to just take a moment and acknowledge this is the first Africa Bitcoin conference ever on the entire continent. That's amazing. I, I think, you know, sometimes we can be so busy and so focused. I, I think that you guys, you you and your team, you all are making history. You are making history for Bitcoin and history for the entire continent of Africa. It is so significant. And I will tell you, you are my favorite guest of the year. 
And um, I'm just, I'm very thankful and grateful that you made oh, time to be a part of our conversation. Thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you for your time on the Bitcoin in Africa show. Um, we wish you the best of luck with the Africa Bitcoin conference. And I will see you in Ghana. Thank you so much. Yes, I'll see you in December.